0: Welcome to AgTech 360, where we take a 360-degree view into emerging agriculture technologies of today and tomorrow. Our host, Adrian Percy, helps us to create robust dialogue among stakeholders in academia, industry, and extension including researchers, growers, producers, and the overall agriculture sustainability community. AgTech360 is brought to you by North Carolina State University, CIRSA, the Center of Excellence for Regulatory Science in Agriculture, and the Southern IPM Center.
1: So this is Adrian Percy for AgTech360. Today I'm joined by current friend and former colleague, Beth Roden, who is the Head of Global Communications for Bear Crop Science. Welcome, Beth. Thank you so much for your time and joining us for this podcast.
2: Thanks, Adrienne. I'm glad to be here. It's good to uh, be back on working together with you here. So, I lead a team of uh, professional communications that are passionate advocates and storytellers around the globe. I've been leading global comms for about five years, which is where we had the pleasure of working together. And before that, spent time in North America and leading our North America communications team for Bayer. So I joined into the agriculture industry during a time period when I would say the industry was pretty isolated. If you were in it, you understood it, you understood the technologies, you understood what farmers had to do and the role that they played. And as a communicator, I really remember when the explosion of social media came along and we had to uh, really start to think differently about how we were telling the stories. It became a passion of mine to think about how we could tell a better story, how we could better connect those that produce our food with those that consume our food. So I've been a huge advocate and spent over 16 years in this industry.
1: Wow. And we are going to get into all of that. I mean, first of all, I know that you've lived, you know, in different parts of the world and traveled all over the world. And probably I would guess you've met a bigger group and and a diverse group of growers and farmers as anyone on the planet. So uh, maybe just starting off, you know, just tell me a little bit about, you know, those experiences. Sure. So
2: I'm uh, New York born and raised and my aunt and uncle had a large dairy farm in uh, Pennsylvania, but I was the city kid that would go in to visit and ask a lot of questions, but wasn't really raised in the agriculture uh, industry and then uh, spent many years living in North Carolina. So I always enjoyed learning about the agriculture industry here in the state of North Carolina. And then with my global role, have had the Opportunity to engage with um, young producers in Africa. Had the opportunity to go to Thailand, Singapore, Brazil, Mexico. Um, so been able to really explore the world and see how farmers and the challenges they face and what they do in different corners of the world.
1: Obviously, today's episode is is going to be really focused on communications. The importance of communications. Why we communicate. And you know, one of the things I want to delve into is really how we talk about tech technologies to the different stakeholders and audiences that we need to but first, what is ag communications? I mean, who are you talking to? What type of topics are you interacting with with those audience about?
2: Yeah, I think of uh, communications as a discipline and the field that we're in is agriculture. So I think we can utilize the skill sets from communications. And I like to think of it in terms of being an integrated communicator and translating that into the industry that we're talking about, which is agriculture. So we talk about science, we talk about growing practices, we talk about about bringing the farmer hero stories to life. And I think our biggest challenge is how do we break down science? How do we break down technologies, Uh, the innovations that are coming from some of the companies like a Bear or UPL? How do we break those down into a format where the general layperson that is disconnected from the farm gate that maybe doesn't believe in science or believe in uh, the power of a company or, or a corporation and have a lot of mistrust, how do you break that down into something simple and that's easily digestible and allows them to connect to those stories that we're actually trying to tell? So I think our task at hand is really how can we be better storytellers?
1: And the storytelling part is really interesting because I think over the last decade, the story of ag has been pretty consistent and coming from numerous different sources. So whether it's corporations, industry, large companies, small countries, but also academics, you know, global institutions like the FAO, all talking about the challenges that we have around food security due to population growth, the challenges that farmers are facing due to things like uh, climate change and resource limitations, particularly water. And now, of course, you know, the whole food chain and the resiliency of the food chain being challenged by the COVID pandemic. But do you feel that these challenges are really appreciated by society in general, or is agriculture kind of just talking to itself?
2: I think there's still a disconnect. I think that as the general consumer, and we've done a lot of research in this space to better understand actually what are they thinking? What um, what would interest them? How could we meet them more where they are at? And they're just, there's a big disconnect. People go to the grocery store and they expect to have access to safe, affordable and nutritious food. And, and how it gets produced and how it gets there isn't necessarily something that they think about, but yet they're very vocal in their demands and what they expect in terms of sustainability and transparency and the pressure that they are putting on that food value chain. So I think that we have to do a better job of coming together up and down the value chain to have a more consistent message. I think we've been saying similar things, but we've all had our different slants on it and we've never really united behind us behind us um, a standardized approach in terms of how we really do talk about the benefits of modern agriculture and what does that really mean for all of us in terms of having access to safe and affordable food. I do think through the COVID uh, pandemic that I'm hopeful that there will be um, a rise in a belief system that comes back to science and having trust in science and the benefits of trust in science and that we'll be able to halo that over into the ag industry and what does that mean for food production. And I think also, um, if you think through, all of us have experienced going into the grocery store and seeing empty shelves or having you know challenges trying to get a particular product that maybe you typically had access to. So I'm hoping that the silver lining of this current situation is that there will be a better connectivity and, and more people thinking about, well, really, how does that system work behind what actually gets into my grocery store that I have access to?
1: Yeah, as you say, I mean, through COVID, particularly in the early days, I, I, I would suspect that for some people, you know, in countries like the US and, and in Europe, it was the first time that they've seen basic items not on the supermarket shelf. And it will be interested to see if that kind of transcends into our new normal. And perhaps there is a better appreciation of food production and the food chain.
2: Absolutely. I think, you know, that, that is something that, I, at least in my, you know, conversations outside of work, you hear more discussion around that. And I think it is because there is an increased awareness of empty shelves. And we just, in our lifetime, we haven't seen that. Not really, but in my lifetime, I haven't seen that. So.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and why do you think, you know, there is such a disconnect with, with food production? Is it, is it the general urbanization of our society or are there other factors?
2: I do believe it is the urbanization factor. So I think it's 2% of people actually produce food and and the rest of us uh, in the United States have the ability to do what we do best. So I, I do believe that if you've grown up on a farm and you're part of a farm community, you understand it and you're passionate about it and you can be an advocate for it. I think... As the urban sprawl and cities grow up, I think, again, people just have an expectation that I'm going to have access to safe and affordable food. And I think you layer into that social media and people have access to basically any type of information at any time at their fingertips that really gives them the proof points, quote unquote, that they need to back up their story or their version of their beliefs. So I, I am hopeful, again, um, that we're entering into a new era where there will be more trust in science. And I hope that does um, parlay itself into the industry that we're in.
1: Mm -hmm. And you've really preempted my next question, because, you know, as you said, at the the same time, perhaps there has been a little bit of a disconnect with how food is actually produced. Everyone seems to have an opinion. (laughs) Food is obviously something that elicits um, a lot of emotional responses and, and beliefs. And, is that something you, you're seeing being driven by social media? Is that a generational thing? We have seen so much pushback on you know, agricultural practices, for instance, that have been in existence for, for many, many decades and accepted, but are now being questioned and, and pushed back, Tom?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, social media um, and the digital ecosystem as a communicator's, you know, best friend and foe all at the same time it allows us to connect to people where they're at and to deliver the content that we want them to be able to read and consume and engage with. But the reality is everybody has the ability to tell their own story and everybody has the ability to be a quote-unquote journalist. So the channels really afford all of us the opportunity to share whatever thought or opinion that we have. And then you can quickly with wikis and, and you know through Google, you can um, easily find any any factoid that can back your belief system. And so that allows you the confidence then to be able to go forward and share that. And I think the speed of news traveling through the digital ecosystem is seconds versus the olden days uh, where we had news cycles and you could ride the 24 hour news cycle. We just we don't have that anymore. So there's multiple opinions multiple uh, different threads of communications and so you really have to sift through and think about how are you going to cut through all that noise and clutter so that your messaging can uh, rise to the top and hopefully connect to those consumers that aren't closely intertwined into the agricultural space.
1: So one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was trust. And I know this isn't just opinions because you you do generate uh, data and do surveys on this type of thing. But, you know, in terms of trust in our food supply and trust in the people that produce it, what kind of insights do you have there?
2: I think we need to listen more. I think when I look back and reflect, when social media did take off, I think as an industry we were a little defensive and we wanted to tell everybody our story. And we wanted everybody to hear our story. And I think we need to listen more and seek that common ground and understand how can we find the middle path that we both can agree on. And then I think when you approach it through a listening and learning type of um, engagement versus I'm going to tell you why you should believe in trust in our our science and trust in the system that we're part of, I think you can open it up for a whole other learning uh, opportunity, learning and discussion. And then you can see, we've, we've done some work in the digital space and you can see when you meet people uh, where they're at with topics that are relevant and important for them, you can see they will engage further and deeper with the content and the stories. And then and then you can see that paying off when you do research you know, six, eight months down the road to see if you've been able to change their perceptions or their thinking on technologies that are used in agriculture. It's an approach uh, more than anything, and I think we have to slow down to be able to foster that trust to be able to actually move faster in the long
1: run. Technology has transformed farming through the millennia, and uh, you know, moving from plow to mechanization to the advent of crop retention chemistry to the advent of GM, and now we're moving into a new generation of biological-based products. These technologies have been more or less you know, accepted by society over the decades. And clearly with some technologies, um, famously with GM technology, particularly in Europe, there has been quite a backlash against that technology. While in other places in the world, it's seen as a very valuable tool. As people start to develop the next generation of technologies, what lessons can we learn from the past in how to best present those technologies to consumers and, and hopefully get acceptance of them, particularly, of course, where they're you know, not just helping with increasing food production, but also with sustainability and preserving the environment?
2: Yeah, I think if we have to look back in order to not let history repeat itself. And, and one thing that we consistently come to is that it's the tell factor, right? Like we were very um, poignant in saying, this is what, you know, we're telling people it's good and you should just believe us. And we've got all the science to back it. And uh, as we look forward, we have to have discussions. We have to have the dialogues. We have to invite people to the tables so that we can have the conversation so that you're fostering and building that trust-like relationship. So there's more credibility, more connectivity. I think also we have not done a great job of setting up some of the challenges that our our farmers face and why these innovations are so important to helping them do what they do. And frankly, the one area that we definitely see um, a high interest in is when you really talk through those innovations through the lens of the environment. So when we come out with a new innovation and the benefits that it has not only for the farmer and their productivity, but equally the benefits it has to the environment and talking about it through that lens versus just through the benefits from the agronomic perspective, we can see a shift in how those um, technologies are perceived. The other piece would be I think we all need to start um, ensuring that we have a more consistent voice and a vocal voice. And we need everybody out there to really lean in and tell the story of why these innovations are so important for the farmer.
1: Yeah. I mean, certainly on that, on the first point, what I've seen is companies who are now actually basing their strategy around trying to tell that story and to tell it in a way that explains to consumers, for instance, that their products benefit them or benefit things that they care about, like you say, the environment, for instance, and going after those things, as opposed to perhaps in the past, the focus was more on the farmer and the benefits to the farmer, either, you know, through efficiencies or economics. Of course, you know, we still need those benefits, but perhaps the onus will change a little bit to the Consumer and other stakeholders, rather than just to the companies who are trying to monetize the technology, or to the farmers themselves. Yeah,
2: and I think you know the farmers. We were always thinking about how do we convince the farmers of these technologies, and I think um, sometimes the farmers can be the biggest and best advocates we have. So how do we also help? You know, our farmer stories come to life, and where they're telling the story of why these technologies are so important. So I think they've been kind of the hidden heroes of the past, and we need to ensure their voices are coming forward um, as we look to the future.
1: So on that topic as well, I mean, I see some great science communicators uh, out there, uh, but it's it's not an easy task and it's not perhaps everyone who's a scientist who's a great communicator to members of the lay public that perhaps don't understand some of the deep aspects of the science. What advice would you have for scientists who are trying to communicate on these complex issues and be effective in it?
2: Every science communicator is a storyteller, and uh, I think there's an opportunity to help the scientist who knows, has so much expertise and so much knowledge around a particular topic to help them hone their story. So what are the three key messages that they want to convey to um, that informed consumer? And then how do they do it? Through their own story. So really, why are they passionate about this particular science? What benefit does it have? And so I think helping people, we don't have to have the you know, the research paper with all of the documentation and, and you know, the very, very, very in-depth. Uh, we need to make sure that we're really keeping things simple and bringing it down to a, a layman's term where a sixth grader would understand it. And so we brought in some training um, when we were working with some scientists of the past where actually a professional communicator had studied the science of the brain and how people receive communications. And so the model is 3 key messages, 9 seconds, and 27 words. And that's what the brain can retain when you're trying to communicate. And then doing that through the storytelling lens is so important.
1: And getting out there, I guess, as you said, and and having a you know a unified voice is important. But you know, particularly on social media, it can be an ugly world. And uh, you know, how, do you have any advice for folks that you know do want to engage and and for instance go onto social media and get you know some pretty nasty feedback and and how they should they should deal with that type of thing? Yeah,
2: it's unfortunate. We typically wouldn't run into a conference center, right? And run in and shout and scream at somebody, but somehow in the digital space, we think that's acceptable. But if you're new to the area, it's always good to kind of stick in with the crowd as you get used to the tool and get, and get familiar with um, how social media actually works. So I'd stick closer to home in the beginning and then you can spread out.
1: Beth, that's some great advice. And I, I you know, I really want to thank you for your time and, uh, and insights into that particular topic of uh, communication. And I wish you uh, all the best. Thanks again for appearing on this uh, episode of the pod. Well,
2: thanks. I appreciate being here today, and it was uh, great to have a chat about ag communications.
0: AgTech 360 is a product of North Carolina State University, CERSA, the Center of Excellence for Regulatory Science in Agriculture, and the Southern IPM Center. This episode was produced by Kayla Pack Watson, with host Adrian Percy and Center Director Dr. Denasia Seth Carley. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at AgTech360 and send us questions and comments to agtech360 at gmail.com. With AgTech360, we take a 360-degree view inside emerging agriculture technologies that matter. Thanks for listening.